I added one more podcast to the giant podcast bin. Now you have plucked that podcast out and started listening. I took my microphone and found some human folk. Then I recorded all the noises while we spoke. My name is Adam Buxton. I'm a man. I want you to enjoy this. That's the plan. Hey, how are you doing, podcats? Adam Buxton here. As you can probably hear, I am not walking along the farm tracks of Norfolk with my dog friend Rosie. Rosie's at home in Castle Buckles, probably on the sofa, multitasking, doing some toxic farts and uh, lovingly attending to the cleanliness of her privs. I am out in Bexhill on Sea. Right now I'm looking at a dramatic cloudscape. Big, angry, dark clouds out there above the sea. But the sun is going down, shining through them. It's quite windy right now. I'm out here doing one of my book tour shows. Very nice to see some of you at the shows I did in Brighton over the weekend and in Farnham last night. A few people heard the last podcast with Vic Reeves and bought tickets for those for the Farnham show. So thanks. Good to meet you. Oh, I'm quite cold now. I'll take a picture of this dramatic scene for you and post it on my blog when I upload the podcast. It's really kind of amazing. But it's a little bit lonely. I miss my dog friend and my wife, my wife and team buckles but i'm going to see them tomorrow okay look let me tell you a little bit about podcast number 163 which not only features a rambling conversation with british comedian lauren patterson it also contains beautiful music from the heavenly throat pipe of british folk singer and traditional music specialist sam lee is that a good phrase from the heavenly throat pipe of Sam Lee. It's probably not going to be turning up on his next album. Look at the sunset. Oh, it's a peach. Take a picture of that. For my sunset collection. Let me tell you a bit about Lauren Patterson. Patterson facts. Lauren, currently aged 28, I think, is from Newcastle in the northeast of England. After a stint at drama school, she started her stand-up career in her early 20s and by 2017 found herself nominated for an Edinburgh Fringe Best Newcomer Award for her debut show, Lady Muck. Link in the description of the podcast. As well as increasingly frequent appearances on British TV, Lauren is also the co-host of the Conversations Against Living Miserably podcast with comedy writer and author Aaron Gillies in which they talk to a variety of comedians about the funny side of attempting to steer clear of misery. Again, link in description. My conversation with Lauren was recorded remotely towards the end of April this year, 2021, with me in my nutty room at Castle Buckles and Lauren in her new flat 
in Newcastle. We spoke about the perks of Lauren's various day jobs, the challenges of live-streamed stand-up comedy during lockdown versus awkward moments with audiences in an actual room. And I unveiled a great new idea for a TV show. I expect a call from an executive very soon. But we began by checking microphone levels and ensuring that Lauren's dog, Ralph, was happy with everything. Back after my conversation with Lauren for a very brief introduction to my musical guest this week, Sam Lee. But right now, with Lauren Patterson. Here we go. speak just say like say what you had for breakfast and just check that it's not peaking check that it's not going right to the end yep for breakfast i had a a banana and yeah that's that seems like it's going all right cool and you know you're not are you someone that's prone to sudden loud outbursts when you're speaking no not unless the dog barks but he is snoozing next to me so it looks like he's going to be quiet all right cool ralph Good boy. How is Ralph? Well, I came back from work to find out that I didn't shut the bathroom door before I left and he has eaten three toilet rolls. So that's excessive. Ralph, (laughs) how much, like when you say eaten, he's just sort of mangled them. Like shredded them. Like my house looks like a frat party has been in or something. (laughs) (laughs) So he's not actually digested the paper. I hope not. Although if he has, I hope that it's like almost self-cleaning on the way out, which would be quite (laughs) handy for me. It's been a long year, hasn't it? Yeah. This is where my brain's at. I know. Well, this is where my head's always at. We got off on the right foot and um, we've established the tone that I now wish to follow for the rest of the conversation. So that's that's good. Thank you for having me. No, not at all. I listened to you on Richard Herring's podcast. That's where I first came across you. And uh, I really enjoyed it. And I thought, oh, well, yeah. Lauren sounds like a good person. That was when I was still cooped up in my parents' house. Oh, yeah. How long ago was that then? It would have been end of May, because I also remember during the podcast, all of my possessions from London arrived back up north. Because ah. I finished the podcast and came downstairs and I was like, oh, that's a lot of boxes. That's a lot of things to sort. And now, where are you now then? Still in Newcastle, but uh, I'm in my own place with my dog. I feel very adult. I'm excited that the charity shops are open now again. So am I. a charity shop. I have so much stuff accumulated from the last year, not least because I took delivery of all my mother's possessions after she died, and they all turned up in in a van. I've been sorting through them, and... So I've got boxes and boxes and boxes. Quite a lot of yes. quite a lot of clothes and shoes and belts. She was big into bags and belts, my yes, mum. Yes, yes. Holy <laughs> shit. How many bags and belts does one person need? See, I've never really been like a girl who's into like bags and shoes. Okay. Um, I've always been very 
I want to say low maintenance, but then I think that sounds quite bad, as if there's something wrong with being high maintenance. But then I think within the last... Annoyingly, just before lockdown, I got really into getting my eyelashes done, getting my hair done blonde, and I was like, I can see why people spend money on this. I feel amazing. And then a lockdown hit, and I spent a year looking like a potato, and I was like, this was the wrong time to really get into maintaining my appearance when suddenly all these places are shut again. Yeah, but but you have been doing online shows and looking good in those, right? I know. A ring light has done wonders. (laughs) It is the best £30 I have ever spent. Honestly, the first like month of Zoom gigs where I didn't have a ring light, I was like, what have I been doing with my time? My, I don't like my ring light. I don't find it particularly attractive. Do you use the warmer light setting on it? Yeah, I've got like a warm light setting and then I've got a desk lamp. So it's like double double lit and every time I take a picture when I've got the ring light on my friends will just messages and be like ring light doing wonders and I'm like the ring light is doing wonders thank you for being true friends who know that that isn't how I really look (laughs) for anyone listening who hasn't spent too much time on zoom in the last few months or doesn't necessarily obsess over the way they look on zoom a ring light (laughs) is literally a circle of LED lights that you can mount yes. on. It comes with a little cheap tripod. I don't know which one you got, but mine did. And mine, yeah, mine's on a very cheap tripod. Yeah. <laughs> and it tips over all the time. I have to just, uh, yeah. I have to get some gaffer tape and glue it down if I want to. Yes, I'll be trying to do self-tapes. And obviously I live on my own, so I don't have anyone to like read lines or hold the camera. So I'll put it on the little tripod that my ring light came with and I'll be like, 10 seconds away from finishing a brilliant take and suddenly the tripod will just collapse and off goes my phone and I'm like oh now is this future is this you doing auditions for uh tv shows and films and things like that I mainly get auditions for adverts I think because of the northern accent everyone wants but I've done I've done loads of voiceover well not loads I've done two voiceovers this lockdown and obviously I work a day job as well at the minute I work in Morrison's so I'll just be sat in the canteen and someone's like do you do the voice of Mecca Bingo? And I'm like, yeah, I do the voice of Mecca Bingo. And then someone else will be like, and do you do the voice of Drain Cleaner? And I'm like, I do do the voice of Drain Cleaner. <laughs> Voiceovers are great. That is my favourite yeah. thing to do. I love them. Yeah. And then I practice when I'm doing the tannoys at work. That's when I practice my like my speaking voice and my clear voice because no one else really likes doing the tannoys. So I like doing the little customer announcements and I think you know like when girls wanted to go to like top shop to be scouted by a model I'm always like well maybe if I do a really good tannoy what if there is somebody shopping in Morrison's at this precise moment who's like her I want her voice to advertise my very well-paying product yeah so exactly I always, I always do my best voice <laughs> and what do you do at Morrison's I do a bit of everything so obviously there was the whole comedians should go and redrain and get another job so I got a job in Morrison's cafe and then all the cafes had to shut Mm -hmm. so that was a fun retraining both of my jobs were useless so I do a little bit of checkouts um I do the cafe when it's open and I do the um the phone lines for the old people who ring up and order their shopping I love that I love that because I don't have any grandparents anymore so I just like being on the phone to all these like nanas who are all like stuck inside and so bored and but I always think I'm so soft and I always think 
what if I'm the only person they're going to talk to all day? Like, yeah. the last thing I want to do is be rude and rush them. I've had, I've been, someone try to convert us to um, Christianity. I had a nice chat about Jesus. I just let her talk about Jesus to me. I've had people tell me about, like, their families, about, I had a man who used to be in the army and he told me all his stories. I just let people chat away. I'm like, I'm literally getting paid to just listen to you. So honestly, chat away. That's chat cool. Away. And there's no one looking over your shoulder saying, come on, Lauren, you need to speed up these calls we'll see they made the fatal mistake of in the very because i did it like right from the beginning back in may and they were like yeah we're not timing the calls like we're not bothered about how many you get done like just give a good service and i was like i am absolutely gonna take that that i can just chat to all people all day like that is very much what i want to do <laughs> yeah you used to work at Boots, right? You talk about that in I your did. show. when i was in my first year of university i worked in Boots. Well, i would have started when i was 18 and then sort of turned 19 when I was there. And then I think I left sort of not long after my 20th birthday. And whereabouts was this then? This was in Newcastle, was it? That was in Newcastle, yeah. So we've got, we got Big Boots and Little Boots in the city centre. And I worked in Little Boots, which was quite nice because it was a very like little team. And I think I was probably the youngest person there by a good 10, 15 years. And I remember there was one woman who would always um, hide ginger biscuits for us. Okay. Because I think she was worried that being a student, I wasn't eating enough. And she'd be like, there's some ginger biscuits behind the shampoo for you. And I'd be like, thank you. And I'd go on my little treasure hunt to collect my ginger biscuit. Did you ever used to get up to other stuff to help the time go a bit quicker? I remember the staff night out was fun. Went on a, we had like a Christmas party Obviously, I was like, again, the youngest person, so there was nobody my age there. remember one of the women had emptied a perfume bottle and put her own alcohol into a perfume bottle and then snuck it into the pub. So she's just under the table with a pint glass, like, spritzing. Spraying (laughs) it out. Very chemically whatever was in there. It looked like vodka or gin. It was clear. And I remember thinking, being, what, like, say, like a teenager at the time and just being like, oh, we don't grow up. Oh, we don't. But that, <laughs> These adults who say they've got their shit together, they, they don't. No. They're sneaking alcohol in perfume bottles. <laughs> How old do you think she was? Oh, in her 60s. In like, her she was, 60s. She was older, yeah. Come so on, can... mate. You have learned yeah. nothing in your 60 years. The thing is, I used to work in a bar as well. That's where I worked, after Boots. And it's it's so obvious when people... If I could suss it 19 years old, 20 years old, that people were doing it, it would be like a group of four would come to the bar, be like, can I have one vodka and coke and three cokes i'm like yeah friday night in newcastle and only one of you is drinking of course and then sure enough you watch them over the night and you're like hmm funnily enough they're getting drunker but that glass of diet coke has never decreased in quantity and they're obviously just sneaking off to the toilet and topping it up with but you think yeah i don't care i probably should have cared but i did not care (laughs) no as long as they're having fun that's the main thing yeah we used to travel quite a lot, me and my family, when we were younger. My dad was a travel writer. And um, I remember being in Maine, in the uh, northeast of the United States. Oh, yeah. We were in a, a restaurant, and you mm-hmm. weren't allowed booze in the restaurant. Oh. I think... Is this right? Maybe it was the case that you weren't allowed to bring in alcohol because obviously they yes. they wanted you know you to buy spend the, your money there. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Anyway, my dad got it into his head that he was going to sneak in some booze because I think maybe they only served wine or something like that. Oh uh, yeah, he was in the mood for some Jack Daniels, so nice. he poured it into a Coke bottle <laughs> and sneaked it in that way. 
And he was so pleased with himself. Yeah. I think he ordered a Coke and then he swapped it out for his booze bottle. Yes. Oh, the old bait and switch. Yeah. Nice. And I remember thinking, you're the best, Dad. (laughs) You're so cool. You have absolutely punked these guys in this no spirits (laughs) restaurant. I don't know if that was a good example to set or not. I mean, I don't, I haven't been doing that myself too much, but it is fun getting around the rules in that way, isn't it? Yeah, same with like at festivals. I used to be, I used to go to a lot of festivals as a teenager rather than like a lot of my friends would do the girls' holidays and like Magaluf or Malia. But again, this is probably being a girl who didn't like shoes and handbag. I was always a bit scruffier. Like I wanted to go to a festival and get muddy and messy, like that kind of way. Yeah. But obviously, like, didn't have much money then. <laughs> Still don't, but had even less then. So I remember in order to get the alcohol from the camping bit to the bit where the bands are, I would tuck a can under each or a bottle of whatever under each armpit. But then I would put my arms in front of his and make it look like I was texting. So from the security's <laughs> point of view, they can just see a girl walking towards them texting. My pockets are empty. There's nothing in my pockets, but it was like nestled in my armpit and I was like pinning it to my body and it worked every single time. No one ever said, every time. can you just raise your arms please? No, nah, nobody ever, if, if they ever had, <laughs> would have brought my toes with two bottles of vodka falling on them. But I don't know if it's because I'm quite little and unassuming or maybe because I was just, I think maybe if I looked suspicious, but because I was just like on my phone texting, yeah. maybe I just looked very like game face, very chill, but it was a foolproof method for Five years or however long I went. That is impressive. How long were you a bartender? I worked in the bar for a year. That's how long I worked there. But that was an experience because it was um, the one, it's sort of like one of the closest pubs before you get to St. James's Park, the football ground. Okay. And we were very much, it's changed now. It's a fancy gin bar now, but it used to be like a sports pub when I worked there. So uh, when the World Cup was on, it was heaving and like Derby Day, Newcastle versus Sunderland. But that was quite like Derby Day. I was just on about this with someone the other day. When Newcastle played Sunderland, we had to spend the night before removing every table and chair from the premises because we weren't allowed any, basically anything that wasn't nailed down wasn't allowed in the bar or on the public side of the bar. You had to get rid of all the glasses. Nothing was allowed to be served in glass. Just in case it all kicked Uh, off. Just in case it all kicked off. And I remember being like, this is... Because obviously I hadn't been big into football, so I didn't realise how messy it could get. But I also think this was around the time that man punched a horse. So I think they probably were Wait, I didn't get that. I didn't get that. You know about the man punching a horse? No. It was when Newcastle played Sunderland, and I think we lost. We probably lost. From the reactions of my friends, I think we lose a lot. I don't follow football. But I think Newcastle had lost and they were going and like basically smashing the city up after. Nice. And this bloke punched a police horse. What? Like full on just decked a police horse. And it was all over like the news and everything of being like, this this man has literally punched a horse. So I think after that, everybody got a way more stricter of trying to minimise... <laughs> any possible violence horse punching that is not cool what is going on in his head he just thought well it's it's a police horse so i don't have any respect for a horse that works for the police look at you horse with a job i don't respect that like fascist horse horse is out there earning a living i think it died a couple of years ago nothing to do with the punch but again newcastle's not that big and i'm sure it was literally like 
newspaper-worthy news when the horse died and we all had a day of mourning for for a punched police horse. <laughs> I mean, what kind of a guy punches a horse? That is no good. What's the dog growling at? What have you seen, Ralph? Ralph. Oh, he's growling at his own reflection. <laughs> it's you. Uh, Ralph. We don't have two dogs. We just have one dog. Ralph. What kind of dog is Ralph? He's a jackapoo, which I didn't even know was a thing. What is a jackapoo? I don't know much about dogs. So his mummy is a Jack Russell, uh-huh. and then his dad is a poodle. Oh, so, so he's a fluffy he's, little fellow. He's fluffy, he's smart, and he's stubborn, which is... He's, he's me. That is, I have me as a dog. That sounds a bit he's like good. me too. He's very good. How old is Ralph? Yeah. He is six months old. Baby. I think I saw Ralph with you the first time I inverted commas met you. We didn't actually speak, but we were on the same That's bill COVID. earlier this year. The COVID, the COVID arms, arms, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he popped up there, and uh, it was very nice That's to see him cool. there. I was so impressed by how unfazed you seemed to be by the weirdness of doing a stand-up gig from an empty room on a webcam. Yeah, I think. At first, I was so, not against doing them, but this was like within the first couple of days of obviously everybody losing their work. And I can understand people, like not comedy people, were very well mean and being like, well, could you not just like do something on the internet? And I was like, I, I don't know who was going to want to watch, just, just me, like in my room. And then obviously promoters and clubs started coming together and being like, no, we're going to replicate actual gigs so it isn't just going to be you it's going to be like a lineup and I was like that feels less scary than just me being like but no one wants to watch I'm just going to be in my room for an hour so I think the first one I did was for Good Ship Comedy Mm -hmm. Ben Vanderveld's gig and that was nice and I did one for Dulwich Hamlet's Comedy Club and again I was like oh these are less scary and I think the more I got into the swing of it and I was like you can't necessarily just do stand-up like some people can but I thought it, it does just feel awkward. I was like, you just need to be a bit more chatty and conversational, or at least that's what I found worked for me. And I've quite enjoyed it because I, I can't MC, I can't compare, I hate it. But from doing these Zoom gigs, I think I've become a little bit more, like, I think there's like comedy Lauren and there's real life Lauren. But from doing these Zoom gigs, I've let a little bit more of like real life Lauren come into that on stage but I actually do like I really enjoy them now yeah well you're very good at them I must say I was on after you at that COVID arms gig and yes I was sort of looking at you and I was thinking wow she's good at this and then I thought I'll be fine I'll be fine I'm really good yeah and then (laughs) and then I just (laughs) immediately got tongue-tied and just felt embarrassed really I did have one really awkward one I'll not, I'll not name the gig because it wasn't the fault of the person running it, but a lot of the people watching seemed to think that they could just chip in oh. whenever <laughs> they fancied. But obviously there's a delay, isn't there, with obviously doing it all by the end. So I'd be like doing a bit and then all of a sudden I'd hear someone saying something, but then I would have already moved on. So I'd be like, I, I don't know what bit they're referencing. And right. I would be like, and then no one, you're like, oh, who said that? And you're like, looking through all the faces on the screen but then everybody shies up and goes quiet and I'm like oh great now you've made it awkward it's a disaster area because one of the first things you learn like not that I am a particularly seasoned stand-up but one of the few things I did learn from doing live shows was if you hear someone saying something in the audience 
just let it go. Yeah. Unless they exactly. really are shouting loudly and they have got a, a, a point that they definitely want to make and that needs to be heard. Yeah. My sort of rule is unless the person who is talking is talking to the extent that is disrupting others in the crowd right. and the venue haven't stepped in, because I'm always like, well, why should people who are enjoying it suffer? Yes. And then also the people who are enjoying it are looking at you like, why are you not addressing it? So that's because I'm not very confrontational either. So I'm always like, I want to avoid it until it's unavoidable. Edinburgh, 2015. So I would have been very young. I would have been 21. And I was doing like a triple header with some people from Newcastle just on the free fringe. And we were having a pretty rough month anyway, like, you know, getting six people coming in and watching or whatever. And then we had this one day in particular where I swear, there was maybe nine people in the room and not one of them wanted to be there. It was like we'd press gang them all into coming. They just looked miserable. First guy goes on, people spoke all the way through, really difficult. Girl goes on, uh, lovely girl in the middle again. They were just sort of like talking through her, like dead crowd. It was awful. And I was in the back like getting angry. You know at the point of the festival where you're just angry to be alive. Like <laughs> I was very much at that point. And I thought, nah, this is this is just despicable. It's a tiny room. You know, they haven't paid. They've talked through him. They've talked through her. So I came out and I'd maybe been on, on stage. I'd maybe been in the front of the bar for about 30 seconds. And sure enough, this couple in the front literally sat as close as like I am to my laptop, start chatting in the front. And I went, look, I'm not being funny, but you are so rude. I went, you have spoke through this entire show. If you're not enjoying it, you are totally free to go and I would rather you leave than me have to do this with you talking. And I really gave them a full bollocking. And then, oh, I'm still cringing thinking about it. This guy went, oh, she's Spanish and her English isn't great. I'm translating the words she doesn't know. And 50% of us was like, well, why have you sat at the front? Yeah. So I'm like sit at the back but then the other 50% of us was like you have just made an unplayable gig even more unplayable because the other like seven people in the room were like what a bitch (laughs) that that poor girl who just wants to practice her English and that little bitch has just come out and I was like I'm so sorry (laughs) well you say that it was the other seven but I think that's the kind of thing that would divide a room anyway I mean I kind of agree with the 50% of you that thought don't sit in the front then yeah I mean, I, I, there's a part of me that kind of thinks, don't go to a comedy show then, especially yeah. one in a small venue. It's and like, especially one where the acts are three Geordies, and it was very clearly advertised that we, if you want to practice your English, practice with a better accent than this, because that's going to be a <laughs> difficult yeah. one to start with. Because that's the kind of thing that does require a little bit of peace, and yeah. the, the person on stage does need to concentrate. And sure, great. It's nice that you're enthusiastic and you want to understand and also brush up your English. That's impressive. Most English people uh, wouldn't even bother if they went to another country. So, yeah. But on the other hand, shut Exactly. Up. I remember I came off and the other two had taken a selfie while I was on stage of them two just pretending to cry yeah. in the background. <laughs> and every year it comes up on, you know, like my Facebook memories. And it's like, because obviously at the time I was like, this is horrific and this comedy thing I love it so much but this isn't going to go anywhere and I love now when that picture comes up in my memories because I'm like remember how far you have come from that gig yeah (laughs) no matter how bad a day you are having 
you have come so far from gigging to seven people in the side room of a pub where two of them are treating it as an English lesson. <laughs> well, and also you didn't swear, you didn't use the C word or anything, right? Because in your show, you talk about using the C word when you were at Boots. Is that true or is that a bit of embellishment? A bit of embellishment, but I've definitely been like, I think for me, it's a nervy thing. Is I think it's partly a nervous thing and partly a do, if they start doing comedy at 18, so I spent a lot of times around boys and like laddie lads. I think as a result, I have come a little bit like, and working in the pub, like working in that kind of atmosphere, yeah. I've become quite sweary, but I like it. I think it adds like, I think of it as like seasoning and it adds like, and especially in this accent, I think swearing sounds lovely. Seasoning is a nice analogy, a nice little bit of uh, swearing is nice Isn't to make it? it. Just a little, just a little garnish. Make yeah. things a little bit fucking spicier, that's all. Exactly. Um, you mentioned as well that when you have been at the checkout, yeah. you enjoy kind of judging your customers by their purchases. I do, yeah. But do you comment on them? No, unless. When I, not so much when I worked at Boots, it was very silent judgment. Um, but when, now I'm on the checkout, I try and work out what people are having for dinner. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or what people, a bit like ready, steady cook. So like if I see like spaghetti and like bolognese sauce coming down, I'm like, they're having spag ball. <laughs> the only time I'll comment is um, if, the, and I'm such a good chef. Can you tell? I really know my food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a suggestion a serving suggestion i couldn't help noticing you got some pasta yeah. and some spaghetti sauce have you ever had a spaghetti bolognese i don't know if you've heard of it but uh, it's, it's quite a, popular it's a foreign dish it's a fancy <laughs> don't be put off by the fancy foreign name it's absolutely <laughs> delightful but i don't comment on it unless it's a food that i've been wanting to try but haven't tried right it. okay so nice and then keep it yeah. positive exactly so like someone i'm trying to eat more vegan at the minute oh, yeah. i try and eat vegan like once a week i'm having vegan tonight i'm having mango chutney tofu yes please um but especially like vegan and vegetarian stuff it comes down i'll be like oh is that nice what's that like um i've been meaning to try that but no i, ne- I never like to be too like commenty because some people obviously get a bit like weird about it yeah this so, guy yeah this guy gets <laughs> weird about it i don't like it at all in fact i was on room 101 um, oh yeah uh, in 2017 and that was i actually found it quite difficult to think of things that genuinely upset me or that i would want to yeah. banish forever but that was top of my list really was it, it all service stuff you know yeah and i went into sainsbury's one morning i'd done the school run and i thought i'll swing by sainsbury's and i'll get on top of the shopping for this week and part yeah. of what i purchased was my week's supply of beer. And so I bought a six-pack of uh, lager, put it on the... Actually, no, maybe I bought bought two six-packs, right? Mm -hmm. So I had that. And then not that much other stuff. And the person at the checkout, you know, rang the beers through and went, bit early. Oh, see, no, that would bother me. Yeah. And I was like, that's not good because essentially what you're saying is, yeah. Are you are you a real alcoholic or yeah. just a kind of part time one? And you know, exactly. I might be an alcohol. I might be. I was going to say, and if you were, yeah, that's not going to help things. No, it's not. No. I don't think. No. No, thank you. No. 
Now, I've come up with an amazing idea for a TV show. I want yeah. you to tell me what you think of this. And also, if you think, like, I haven't spent very much time on it. So there's some yeah. potential problems with it. But my idea is TV show based on Google searches. <gasps> yes. It's one, I mean, it is so blindingly obvious that, yeah. I mean, I, I, I Googled it. I couldn't find evidence of a TV show based on Google searches. As far as I'm aware, I'm sure that podcasts have maybe done one or two episodes. I'm sure people have talked about this before. I'm not claiming this is entirely original, but yeah. no one seems to have done a long running podcast or a TV show based on this idea. The idea essentially is that you just talk about Google searches because I find that interesting. Yeah, I think it's a good idea because like my, I'm not stupid, but I've got no common sense. So I'll Google <laughs> like the most ridiculous things, right. but I'm like, well, I need an answer. And I went on a date in the summer and I remember he'd like come round and he was like, can I borrow your like laptop to look for a film to watch or whatever? And I was like, yeah, yeah, cool. And my last Google search was like how to put out a fire. And he was like, what? <laughs> What has happened that he was like, was something on fire and you are that much of a millennial, you Googled how to put out? And I was like, no, 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 nothing was on fire. But I, I think I was writing something and I was trying to think of a metaphor for like putting out a fire. So I'd looked it up and I was like, I'm aware out of context how strange it just looks to have Googled how to put out a fire. <laughs> yeah, out of context, Google searches are yeah. because, because you do Google all sorts of mad things. And as you say, it depends on the context. It also, it's you know that's a reasonable question. There's all yeah. different depends what's on fire, so you have all sorts of different uh, approaches to this. Obviously, like for example, most googled TV shows in 2020, right? Yeah, it's just interesting to look at this stuff. Yeah, I like data. I like stats. Who do you think is top of most googled TV shows in 2020? Quite an easy 2020. one. 2020. Oh, it was the year of. Was it Game of Thrones? No. No? No, what was on TV? That finished before 2020, didn't it? Oh, yeah, I think it was the year before. Tiger King. 2020 is a... Tiger King, Tiger King. Oh. And then number two most Googled show in 2020, Cobra Kai. Oh, yeah, that's another Netflix one. I didn't watch that one. I've not seen that one. No. No. And then it's a load of stuff I didn't watch. Ozark, which people say is good, but I think... Nah, thanks. Umbrella Academy. Nah, I'm fine. I didn't watch that. The Queen's Gambit, I did watch. Did you watch The Queen's Gambit? I say I haven't. I'm I'm always really late to the party with things. Same here. This is how late to the party I am. I have just watched, within the last month for the first time, Lord of the Rings. It came out (laughs) 20 years ago, Adam. And so in 20 years, I will have seen all of the shows you've just mentioned. Did you like it? I'm very... I loved it, you know. I only watched it to impress a boy. Was the boy a little hairy person with no shoes and hairy feet? This should say why do they not wear shoes that was my biggest thing i don't know if it's just because i'm a girl but at the end of the film i was like you know i really enjoyed that but surely that quest would have been more comfortable if they had shoes i guess that i mean it's like dogs they just get very tough used to pads on their but imagine giving a hobbit a shoe for the first time they'd be like (laughs) one thing i did find was a podcast but it only has five episodes as far as i can tell and there's Mm -hmm. just and they're only a few minutes in length, and it's called The Most Googled Questions oh. on Google Podcast. So I thought, oh, no, someone's done it. But actually, as I say, there's only five episodes I can find, and they're between two and six minutes in oh, length. Oh, yeah. And it seems to have been made by school children in America. Oh, 
It's really quite sweet. I'll put a link in the description of this episode. Oh, that sounds cute. If you want to hear it. And they're asking each other questions, uh, you know, like, why is the sky blue? Yeah. Why do people burp? Things like that. And um, many of which I have Googled in the past. I think any parent finds themselves Googling those kinds of questions that their children ask. And, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Is the sky blue? My Google search history has definitely gone weird since I got the dog. Oh, yeah. Because I've never, I've never had a dog before. Obviously, I live on my own. So there's not really anybody I can ask. And my search history has gone, like, very bizarre in the last six months. It's like... What happens if my dog eats a Dorito? What happens if my dog eats my contraceptive pill? How do I trim my dog's willy hair? Which is not something I ever thought I'd have to Google, but the internet knows all these things. The other day I was like, how do how, how runny is too runny for a dog's poop? And there was pictures, there was very detailed descriptions, and I was like, God bless Google. Thank you, Google. You're whizzing past all these questions without providing the answers. Okay. They said it was fine. Well, not fine, but nothing to worry if your dog eats a contraceptive pill because the hormones are so low. Um, and at least I know that for one day, Ralph wasn't going to get pregnant. So that was good. Um, <laughs> the, the Dorito, I think, was inconclusive. But again, it was just a little bit of Dorito. So I was like, you'll be fine. We feed uh, Rosie Doritos. All that. We don't feed them, but she has the odd Doritos. Yeah. She likes them. I think chocolate's That's the only good. thing that I'm aware chocolate's of. Chocolate's the main worry. That you have yeah. to avoid. And chicken bones. Can't have chocolate. Oh, yeah, bones. Little bones. And then what was too... Uh, the, the, for basically, if it looks like a puddle, you're in a muddle. That is my new way of identifying dog poo problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some of my recent Google searches include does accidentally swallowing chewing gum lead to farting oh uh, i hadn't thought about the link between those no two. when i was little it would be like you can't swallow chewing gum it'll gum up your insides you'll die yes yeah it'll, <laughs> i just always pictured chewing gum stretched between my ribs you know what I mean? Like a little chewy guitar. Yeah. <laughs> my mum used to tell me if I swallowed, you know, like the, the pips in an apple, and she said an apple tree would grow in my belly. There you go. That's another one. If you swim after you've eaten a meal, yes. you'll get cramps and die. Right. Again, I know I've just said I'm not thick, and what I'm going to say makes it sound very thick. But So I can't swim. I'm always very nervous in water. And a couple of years ago, me and my ex-boyfriend went on holiday, and there was a pool, and I was like, will you teach me how to swim? And he was like, yes, of course I will. Um, and then I think we'd had like lunch one day and he's like, should we go in the pool? I was like, can't go in the pool, I've just eaten. And he was like, you'll be fine. And I was like, no, but I thought you couldn't go in the... <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking about the fact that I was a 25-year-old adult woman who thought this. I thought the reason you couldn't swim after eating <laughs> was because your belly would be heavy and you'd drown. <laughs> I don't think that's unreasonable. That seems <laughs> rational to me. I only found out that, that that is a kind of urban myth. Yeah. In the last 10 years. Is now, it? I am now 51. Exactly. It made sense to me. It's one of those things you don't question, or I yeah. didn't question, because I thought, yeah, fair enough. As you say, you got food in you, you're going to sink. Yeah, got food or, in my belly, my belly's heavy, I'm going to drown. Or, or cramps, that's what people yeah. told me. It's like, oh, no, your, your stomach's going to start cramping. You know, it didn't even occur to me, like, oh, I've never thought about it. I mean, my stomach's never cramped after a meal yeah. before. <laughs> I don't know why it would suddenly start why, cramping you just because you're yeah. surrounded by liquid. But <laughs> anyway, that is my Google show, which I'm going to make a lot of money from. Because people are, I think your Google searches as well, like, give away a lot about you. And people are, like, 
inherently nosy aren't they mm. like if i could i was like dating a boy last summer and if i could have be chose between reading these text messages or seeing these google search history i would have picked these google search history every time i want i think that's how you get to know a person yes and i mean we're recording now in uh mid april 2021 mid-April. and this will probably go out later in the year and who knows how things are going to be by the time yeah. the autumn rolls around, at this point, just right now, it could go either way. I'm obviously, like most people, hoping that things are going to continue to get more and more like they used to be. And I a, feel weirdly optimistic. Yeah, in a positive I way. Am not an, I am not an optimist at all, but I feel like, feel quite hopeful. Yeah. Quite. But then there's been rumblings of variants. See, this, what you should do is what I do which is whenever the news starts to say something I don't want to hear, I turn it off. (laughs) I'm like, no, 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 I liked the bit where you were talking about a fun cat getting rescued from a tree. Uh, I was on board with that, but I don't want to hear about new new COVID cases. No thanks! La 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 la! It is the fingers and ears approach, and it is serving me... I mean, I'm ignorant, but I'm happy. <laughs> Whoa, he's gone off. <laughs> I mean, I'm pleased he's waited two hours. Yeah, that's impressive. Perfect timing. Why are you barking at, Ralph? Oh, it's birds. There's birds going past. He doesn't like birds. No, they're twats. Welcome back, Podcats. Adam Buxton here, still standing on the beach, watching the sun go down in Bexhill on Sea, on the south coast of the United Kingdom. That was just a bit of bird bants there before that wood pigeon jingle. I don't think birds are twats, of course. Well, there's a couple of quite aggressive Egyptian geese who hang around castle buckles, but I certainly don't want to get in a fight with them. Someone who gets on particularly well with the bird community is British singer, folk song interpreter, conservationist, song collector and creator of live events, Sam Lee. A couple of very brief facts about Sam before we go over to him. Sam is currently in his early 40s, I believe. Alongside his organisation, The Nest Collective, Sam has shaken up the music scene, breaking boundaries between folk and contemporary music and the assumed places and ways folk song is appreciated. That's a quote from his website there. Uh, Sam's third album, Old Wow, was released last year, 2020. And this year, 2021, saw the publication of Sam's debut novel, The Nightingale, Notes on a Songbird, telling the epic tale of this endangered bird and their place in culture, folklore, folk song, music and literature throughout the millennia. I spoke with Sam remotely in April of this year and though the line for our short conversation was a little raggedy, apologies for that, we were able to ensure that his very beautiful singing came through just fine. Back at the end for a tiny bit more waffle, but right now with Sam Lee. Here we go. Blah, 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 blah. 
Can you tell me a little bit about why? Tell me a little bit about why you are particularly fond of the nightingale and what your relationship with it is. If that's not too strange a question. Ah, oh, well, I mean, that's a very personal question. But uh, yeah. the uh, the the nightingale is obviously a bird that. Uh, we all know by name maybe not all of us know by song but is actually one of the most exquisite singers in in amongst all species and has been an inspiration for literature prose folklore folk song for thousands of years across the whole of the northern hemisphere so it's a very significant bird and i've been leading concerts with the birds for six years or so bringing musicians into the woods at night to collaborate and play in duet with the bird and um led me on to go on this amazing journey with spending many nights with them under the cover of darkness and audiences and to write a book now about their role and their place in our world and forgive me for sounding like a kind of dickhead but how do you know that the birds like it when you come and do duets with them in the woods and they're not just thinking can you go away please well that is one of the hardest questions to answer because in all honesty i have no idea what i do know is that we've done a lot of research into the musicality and their ability to be affected or whether they like it or not they're a very very collaborative bird they sing with each other and they love noise they've always lived very close to humans but the actual making of music we we do it in a very sensitive way that actually ends up being quite a kind of trance-like experience of the bird really falling into key and rhythm with the musicians and it's very playful these are human qualities that i'm projecting on the bird but nothing about what we're experiencing stops the bird from singing or has had any impact on their breeding so it's relatively safe i like to think oh man it just sounds so amazing i want to go how often do you do them well, they start singing in middle of April and I do these concerts, the Singing with Nightingales concerts, through to the end of May. And um, they're mainly in Sussex. I've got one that's happening in Suffolk and they'd be in Gloucestershire as well. This year's all been a bit messy because of COVID. Yeah. But we're doing them. We've live broadcast as well. We've got loads of amazing musicians joining in online for live streams of the experience. I really want to check that out. I mean, that just sounds magical. I've only recently, I think started to get more interested in birds like I've, I've never been much of a a kind of wildlife fanatic even though I've lived in the country now for over 10 years and but it's only recently occurred to me to actually start finding out more about them like I downloaded an app called Chirpomatic that helps me identify the uh, <laughs> the, the bird song you know what I mean? You can't go wrong with Chirpomatic. You'll be an expert. I mean, I'm, sure, I'm sure you can go wrong with Chirpomatic. So far, I've correctly identified a lot of robins, a yellow hammer, and a skylark. Hey, these are great birds to begin your journey on. But um, I will say the nightingale, although very rare now and probably going to be extinct within the next 30 years in this country, is it's not a you don't have to be a bird nature lover because it's a little it's a little bit like taking drugs listening to nightingales it's mm -hmm. the closest thing to that sense of falling down the rabbit hole of nature experiences that's not about knowing the species the latin names it's just a visceral drenching in this song it's quite profound i'll drag you along to one of them adam someday please do well, if we can't tea as drugs, then I'll take some drugs and you sing a song. How about that? Okay, well, take a sip. This is a, it's an old English folk song. 
As I was a-walking one morning in May To view the green valleys and meadows so gay It is there I did hear those charming birds sing Did you ever hear so sweet? Did you ever hear so sweet? Did you ever hear so sweet? As the birds in the spring As I sat myself down To view all around And the song of the nightingale Why he echoed all around His notes were so charming His voice so sincere No music, no songster No music, no songster No music, no songster Can with him compare So all of you hear them small birds to hear. I'll have you pay attention. Now listen, draw near. That when you've grown old, you'll have this to say. That you never heard so sweet That you never heard so sweet That you never heard so sweet As the birds in the spring. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sam. That was lovely. This is a first for me. I've never been on a call with someone and they have sung to me. And it's great. That personal one-on-one experience of folk songs is is very special. It's amazing. I mean, there's a special thing about when it's just a person singing unaccompanied because it requires special powers of the, of the person. Most people are too shy or diffident or self-conscious to be able just to sing in that way, you know, often. Or maybe singing to your child. That's perhaps um, a little bit closer to what you're doing. Yeah. But most people, I don't think would be happy just to just to sing unaccompanied in that way 
I, well, it's an old way of doing it that sadly, yes, we've we now lean on orchestration. And I think one of the beauties of it is that that's how we've always sung, you know, for thousands, hundreds of thousands of years, we've heard just the voice alone. So we've mm. evolved to it. So it touches us deep in that way. What are your fondest memories of being sung to personally? <laughs> well, I mean, I love the solo voice or solo instruments as well. But I spent many years, I spent 15 years song collecting. So traveling around mostly the gypsy traveler community of Britain, Ireland and Scotland, recording the last elders of those communities who were the last links for us into our oral tradition of songs that have been sung like that one for thousands of years. So I've spent some incredible times amongst the elders, our, our kind of ancestors and keepers of old lore and old song, listening to songs that have never been written down and that experience of being in the presence of one of these wise old people and falling down the well of time into their into the ancient world and hearing a song that has not changed very much since their great 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 grandparent would have sung it is quite a phenomenal thing and something that we really don't get the opportunity now anymore because most of them have passed on so those are my fondest memories really with those old people and that that being partaking in that transmission that ancient way of transmitting songs and what's happened to those recordings are they archived somewhere they are they're all online and the films that i made and the songs of those singers are all on songcollectors.org which is my kind of online archive yeah amazing testament to a, a world a c culture that has now almost gone extinct in its way and um, a people that uh you know the travelers fighting to hold cultural autonomy still the songs are the some ways the heart of that culture and alas very few left to remember the music so we're speaking in early april 2021 in the last few months the sea shanty has become oh, an yeah. unexpected uh, musical phenomenon wow i you know it's so fun i did a gig with nathan just last week um for sky and that you know this man in his 20s this kid has done more for folk music than the English Folk Dance and Song Society, than the whole of, you know, all the bands put together have been slaving away to try and promote folk music. That guy's just got it to number one in the charts, just boom, overnight. So, like, you know, he he deserves a sort of, not a knighthood, because he's probably a Republican like the most of us folkies. But... Um, <laughs> but it's amazing. Like, that's it. That's what folk music is. It's viral. It's just never usually gets caught catches on quite as fast as it has it's a great song he's a great singer let's hear more let's have more folk virality <laughs> i know it's cool um now would you be happy just to sing one more thing before we say goodbye with pleasure yeah i'll sing just a chorus of it i won't bore you with a whole song this is a song from the scottish travelers from my teacher the ancient balladeer stanley robertson the last of the robertson lines so when would this song perhaps have first started being sung? We think around 1700s, maybe. Can't really carbon date songs, that's the problem, but sure. we suspect. And actually, Alan Lomax himself did first record this song from the family back in the 1950s. And uh, Stanley passed it on to me. This is just the verse, and it is a real, it's a lament, but it's also, it's about the return of birds, about the migration and parting and love and all that sort of stuff. So it's called Lovely Molly. Old Molly, lovely Molly, I delight in your charms. 
And as many a long night you have in my arms, but if ever I return again, it will be Where the mavis and the turtle doves and the nightingales sing. Wait, this is an advert for Squarespace. Every time I visit your website, I see success. Yes, success. The way that you look at the world makes the world want to say yes. It looks very professional. I love browsing your videos and pics, and I don't want to stop. And I'd like to access your members area and spend in your shop. These are the kinds of comments people will say about your website if you build it with Squarespace. Just visit squarespace.com slash Buxton for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, because you will want to launch, use the offer code BUXTON to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So put the smile of success on your face with Squarespace. Welcome back, podcats. There's a little bit of nightingale song for you there that I popped in. That's all right, you're welcome. And in the description of this podcast, I've put a link to one of the many videos that you can find on YouTube, which are just hours and hours of bird song, uh, and the nightingale in particular. Quite relaxing, I would imagine, just to have on in the background while you're working or you're feeling a bit stressed out close your eyes and stick that on thanks very much indeed to sam lee and to lauren patterson for making the time to talk to me on the podcast very grateful indeed right clouds here in bexhill on sea are getting a bit more threatening so i guess i better head back to my hotel and get my stuff together and go over to the Delaware Pavilion for tonight's Adam Buxton Rambles extravaganza. Back next time from uh, Norfolk 
and I'll be with Rosie, unless she refuses to come out with me, of course. Always a possibility. But before I go, I wanted to just give a shout-out to St Mungo's, an organisation helping homeless or houseless, if you prefer, people. Each night, St Mungo's outreach teams go out to meet people in the south and southwest of England who are homeless and, where possible, offer them a bed, support and the option to get off the streets. And because they appreciate how important the bond between a person and their pet can be, St Mungo's are one of the few charities that accepts pets in their hostels. They're also working to prevent homelessness and to support those who want to make the journey out of a life on the streets. If you were able to make a donation to St Mungo's Winter Appeal this year, that would be a huge help with all their ongoing efforts. There's a link in the description of this podcast for donations if you're able to make one. I just did. And uh, it would be very much appreciated. Thanks. Thanks as well to Seamus Murphy Mitchell for his production support on this episode. Thanks, Seamus. You're the best. Thanks to Becca Tashinsky for her ongoing production support. Thanks to Helen Green, who does the artwork for this podcast. Link to her fantastic illustrations in the description. Thanks to Acast for all their help. And thanks especially to you for listening. Really appreciate it. And it's been really good meeting some of you out on tour, getting books signed. And I really appreciate all the kind things you say when we do meet. Don't worry if you don't say kind things to me. That's fine. It's nice to meet you too. And I'm just a bit self-conscious because there are a few people on the beach with me. Walking their dogs. Uh, so I'm just going to try and find somewhere to um, shout my traditional farewell to you. Just heading over to these ancient wooden seaweed-covered groins. (laughs) It's a sexy sentence, isn't it? All right. Now lean into the wind. Let's have an elemental hug. (sighs) I feel alive. Until next time, take care. I love you. Thank you.